Hi, my name is Steve Warren, and I want to welcome you to this podcast. I'm believing today you'll be filled with faith, you'll be energized by hope, and you'll feel loved as this message seeks to transform and empower your life. God bless you as you listen to this. Already in the first service, and now in the second service, just the presence of God. The presence of God has a weight about it. It has a weight. It has a strength. And that's what we want you to experience this morning. So I want you to say, just give somebody a high five as you take a seat. And uh, we're going to welcome up those, as you're doing that, welcome up the, the uh, preachers this morning. Thank you, band. That's beautiful. You may go too. And uh, we have an amazing morning because we have five different preachers. Well, we already had Fabricia already. <laughs> we have another five for you who, um, who are going to share from their heart. Now, we're in a series called Life on Purpose. And we believe very much in, in C3 Amsterdam and in Almira that we, we, we don't do life through fate. We don't do life through whatever happens. We do life through a divine direction and a divine calling in Christ and that our lives are called to be transformed in Christ and empowered for a sense of purpose. So we've got five amazing speakers. I keep saying amazing. Let's geweldig, whatever, speakers. They're just brilliant. Um, who are going to share something of their journey of transformation and empowerment to you. So this is our moment to um, really connect with their heart, to open up a heart, to engage with what they're saying, and to be inspired. We've all got a story. You've got a story. You could be up here sharing it. Um, we believe in sharing people's stories in this church. It's very, very powerful. So um, well, I'm going to, I'm going to, I've got some difficult names. I've got some difficult surnames here. So I've got a beer. Baldassari. I said it right. Come on, I want to give you a hand every time I mention them. So, we've got Judith Vantil, we've got Remy Louis, we've got Michael Tan, and I'm going to get this right. We've got Latace Sritanan. Is that pretty good? Yes, right. Um, so, when they're speaking, I want you to really be just encouraging them because you know when you're speaking, you need other people to draw it out of you too. There's something in here that, that, of God that's very powerful in them, but we help draw it out by our encouragement and our amens. So um, I'm going to be a bit of a master of ceremonies and, and segue it a little bit. But Abir, we're going to start with you. Thank you so much for what you're going to say. Over to you. Okay. Hello, everyone. <laughs> I'm really excited to be here. It's a great Sunday. And I'm um, excited also my husband is here. So he came to support me, so ciao. <laughs> okay, so my message title is My Devotion Time Transformed My Life. I have a verse from Psalm 46, uh, verse 10. Um, Be still and know that I'm God. You know, um, Psalm 46 was written uh, in a context of time uh, uh, where uh, there was trouble and uh, war and conflict. And, but still, when you read the whole psalm, you will feel um, uh, that the psalmist wrote it in such a faith and, and, and courage and, and, and confidence. Um, my life was uh, a bit of um, uh, messy. I allowed fear many times to take control over me. Uh, I have been fighting for a long, long time. Um, let me share my story so you can maybe get a better picture. Um, for a long time, um, I was stuck in a, 
um, in a very intimidating and abusive work relationship. I allowed fear, insecurity, and guilt to take over me. Um, I didn't know how to manage these emotions. Um, these um, screaming voices um, were stealing my time with God. Every time I would sit and pray, they would just scream in my head and suffocate my mind. Um, I prayed, I cried, I asked the Lord to give me a solution, but the only thing I heard from him are two words, be still. He didn't ask me just to be quiet and not say anything, but he asked me to stop fighting, to stop striving, to stop fearing, but most of all to acknowledge who he was. In the stillness, I managed to understand his presence, his love for me. In the stillness, I managed to let go, to surrender, only in the stillness. I managed to renew my mind. I managed to capture every thought that was coming to kill, steal, and destroy. Romans 12:2: do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know, something will happen when we shift our focus and mind from the lies, from the fear, from the unloved place to the only one, Jesus, to the one that walks on water, to the one that commanded the storm to be still. That's the place where we can feel secure and, and set up free. It's, it's a place where it's not in my push. It's not in your push. It's not in my strength. We are not strong enough to fight this. We need him by our side. We need to understand our position in him. This is only when we reach freedom. And you know, my, my devotion time now, it is a very restful place where I just sit and feel in peace with him. Stillness doesn't scare me anymore. It is a place where I can just know that he's there for me, that he loves me. So I really encourage everyone to spend time with God. Not only to moan and cry, and, but just understand who he is for you. Position yourself in him. And he will show you. He will guide you. Just spend time with him every day. Start with two minutes, five minutes, and just let him, let him guide you. Let him be, let him be the one that will show you what to do. It's a practice. Don't think that it will come just, you know, from the first time you sit and pray, that's it, you have your answer. No, it's a practice. It's a practice. And you will get there. Thank you. Yeah, and you know, we've seen Abia, ever since Abia came in this church, boy, have we seen her change. Um, you are a woman that we just see being transformed in front of us. So uh, thank you so much for sharing that. You know, that connects really very much with what we're doing at the moment, as um, both Lou and Intan, Intan particularly with the hamburger, and said so we are doing a 21-day uh, prayer and fasting, and it is, it is for that reason we do it, to be in the presence of God. It's not, it, it, you know, there are reasons for fasting, but one of them is to be more in his presence, to let go of something we rely upon so that in his presence we find out who we are, but, 
but also that stillness that Abir was talking about. And, and, and fasting is such a powerful way to do that. So I'd encourage you, if you're part of the church, you're not yet part of the fast, hey, you can join in today, anytime. Um, uh, you can, you can uh, get hungry. <laughs> um, but it is a beautiful time. And we're going to see God really moving in the next few weeks because we are committed to letting go of what we rely upon and just being in his presence and in God, you're all that we need. So thanks a bit. It's beautiful. Right. Remy, you are next. Thank you. Just give Remy a hand. Wonderful. Thank you, Lisby. Thank you, Abir. That was really beautiful. I really enjoyed that. And uh, I, I'm, I'm glad that I was asked to share about transformation today because I, I believe that there is something in my life that happened that really speaks about transformation. And, and to me, that's discipleship. Anyone knows the term discipleship? Come on, guys, you can... Yes, that's right, that's right, okay. All right, so I have a verse for you guys here. It's going to be up on the screen. It's Ephesians 4, 22, 24. Um, and as it's com- coming up on the screen, I just want to share something with you, that transformation obviously starts with an event. We all know that at the day that we give our life to Jesus, the day that we make that step, we, we are born again, we get that transformation. But in the same way that a baby is born... He needs to mature in life. It's the same with us. We have a process to go through. And that's discipleship. So this verse says, You were taught with regards to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. I don't have much time. I'm just going to try to pack three things from that verse with you guys. Are you okay with that? All right, cool. First thing is there is an old self. Anyone can recognize that? There is an old version of me, deceitful, corrupted. I, I could see myself in that. I could even add self-serving, self-promoting. So we're all aware of this. I'm not, I don't need to go very deep into that. But the hopeful part of this verse, it says there is a new self. And that's amazing. That's the promise of God. As you are being redeemed, as you are being brought into his kingdom, there is a new version of you that's possible. And that's the version that's created to be God-like, that's created to be like him in righteousness and holiness, new in the attitude of your mind. Isn't that a hopeful message for us today, right? And notice this, as we're reading this verse, you, say, you see that it says, put off the old self, put on the new self. What triggered me in this, it, it's a verb. It's, in Dutch, it's a doing word, right? Am, am I getting this right? Yeah. It's a doing word. That means there is something we can do about it. That means discipleship has to be intentional. It has to come from a desire of us to connect more with God and to become the better version of ourselves. And uh, so you might ask now, well, how do I do that? It's kind of beautiful what you say, but how do I put that in practice? I will share with you guys something that I use that has been helpful to me. It's I imagine to be a tree. Well, what a weirdo. Okay, all right. No, but easy. I, I imagine to be a tree. That means I have roots. That's my identity. That's, I've been planted into a new ground. I am now Christ's. I belong to him. This is my roots. Then I have a trunk. These are the values that I stand on. Love God. Love others. Holiness. Generosity. All those are those values that I want to stand on for my life. All of those values come out my principles. These are the branches that come out of the trunk. And the principles is simply making concrete what my values are. For example, I say I love others. Then I would say I will not behave in a way that people feel unloved around me. You see how that works? And because of that, I bear fruits. So the beautiful thing about, about this picture, I find it's like you can see the logical thread straight from the root all the way to the fruit. Yeah, that's and that's something that we can do as we get together. 
because you see, as you are being intentional with your discipleship, you get along with people. Uh, it could be different people. It could be someone that you want to be discipled by for your finances, someone for your devotional life. I think a beer would be great for that. Uh, you know, th- there's all kinds of people around us here in church that can be a great influence on us. Yeah. And they can help us become that better version of ourselves. Remember, it's put on the new self. It's an intentional thing that I have to do. And this is beautiful that we are surrounded with such a beautiful family here. People who can, I can say by my own experience, people who are truly, genuinely interested in your development. People who are truly, genuinely invested even, who invest in your life for you to become the better version of yourself. And that what's beautiful with the community. Do you guys agree that as we do things together, things come to life? Do you agree that as we do things together, God can work through it? Do you believe that as we work it together, we become the better version of ourselves? The old is gone. The new has come. And you see the fruit is going to be different. And discipleship is this. You tell someone, would you taste the fruit of my life? How does it taste like? I'm, I'm an orange tree, but you're tasting lemons. What's going on? You see? And that only happens in the context of a community. So I think that's why the groups that we have in church are, are perfect for that. I was going to say connect, but we changed the name. There are groups. I'm on it, guys. I'm on it. And so with this, I simply want to pass it on to to Michael Tan because he has a great message about community, and you will see how everything ties into that. Nice. Thank you, Remy. Awesome. Thank you very much. My finger's better, by the way. So let's just dig in. Ephesians 1 verse 5. It's all going to be on the screen. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us into himself, to himself, through Jesus Christ. This is what he wants to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Now, Ephesians was written by Paul. Paul it was a Roman citizen. So when he wrote the word adopted, he meant it in the, word, in, in, in the way the Romans meant adoption. And when you're adopted in a Roman family, whoever you were before plays no role anymore. You become a new person. You become a full-fledged member of that family. You become equal to the blood relations, even though your blood related may be somewhere else. But you become a full-fledged member of that family. You even carry the name of the family. So what would that mean for us when God decided in advance to adopt us into his family? Awesome, amazing God who, according to scriptures, holds the whole universe in the palm of his hands. The universe, according to scientists, there are two trillion galaxies in the universe, in the palm of God's hands. And one of those galaxies, our galaxy, called the Milky Way, is, by the way, all the stars you see on a clear night, not often in the Netherlands, but it happens, is, is, is the Milky Way. And in that Milky Way, there is this, like, this star, this sun, with about eight planets surrounding it. And one of those stars, one of those planets, the third rock from the sun, have you ever seen that series? Never mind. There it's, it's, it's planet Earth. And on that planet Earth are you and I. Two trillion galaxies. One galaxy, one solar system in the palm of God's hands. God, amazing God, adopted me, adopted you into his family. What would that mean for you and me? What would that mean for you and me? It would mean that um, my God is an awesome God. It would mean that we are... That I, me, I'm a victor, not a victim. I am a conqueror and not defeated. I am not a failure, for I am a child of God. 
That is what the, what the adoption means in God's family. It even, we even carry his name. Because the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you and me. We who have chosen to follow Jesus Christ. We carry his name. We carry his spirit. It is ingrained in us. And you know, in Romans 8 verse 17 it says, And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. We are heirs. We are equal. We are, we have, we are a community of people who are going to, uh, um, who are heirs of God's glory. More and more importantly, we are a community of broken and hurt people. Imperfect people. Led by a perfect savior. We are a community. Look around you. Look around you. Look to the ne- person next to you. Look to the other row. Look to the person across the, across the, across the, across the uh, room. We are family. We are heirs. We are family. It doesn't, I don't care what color skin you have, what, what, the, what, your, what your last name is, according to your family. We are family. And in this family, we are community. And in a community, we help and build each other. You know, in a community led by Jesus Christ, there is healing. There is purpose. There is a place for you to say, I belong. There is, uh, there is uh, rest and peace. On a personal note, a year and three months ago, my family joined this community. We had just passed on our leadership as pastors to another, another couple, and um, we came here. We were fatigued. We were tired mentally, physically. We were tired uh, spiritually. Our passion was very low. My wife was pretty much gone. And you know what? In the year that has passed, we have found healing and are being healed. We have found rest and are being rested. We are, we are, we have found peace and are being peace. We are being protected. This is family, people. We are family. And because of this family, I, I could, a couple of weeks ago, I could see my wife standing here, yeah. preaching, uh, uh, praying passionately. She had found her passion back. Yeah. I could see her this morning, preaching just like I am do, I'm doing this in the English service, passionately, because we are in a community led by a perfect savior who heals, who gives purpose, who gives you a place, who calls you by your name, who calls you his child. Because of that, I just want to end. I got 10 more, 12 seconds. I just want to say I got it, five minutes. (laughs) I am because he is. You are because Jesus is. We are a community because he is. Bless you. Thanks, Michael. I'm going to just move this. Yeah? Is that all right? It's in my way, you know? (laughs) Um, What most of you guys might not know is I grew up in Papua New Guinea as a missionary kid. And I think there's a little picture of me there. Um, And I have this memory of myself. uh, We we used to silkscreen books. My parents were linguists, and they would silkscreen books. I know you're like, what on earth is that? But that's what you used to do back in the day to print books. And I remember I had done maybe like 50 pages or something, and I was looking in front of me, and there was four Papua New Guineans gathered around one silk screen, like huddled around it, discussing amongst each other how they should spread the ink, and then one person putting on the paper, and another person putting on the blotting paper. And I'm like, this is like one of my earliest memories of being introduced to what they call the Papua New Guinean Wontok system. And why do they call it a system? It's because it's become a way of life for them. And the undergirding value of that is relationships. 
If we put that into contrast with where we are now, we're in an individualistic society. Relationships are fickle, short-lived. And even in churches, even maybe here in church, you know, maybe you just come when you've got nothing better to do. Or maybe you're here and you do turn up, but you don't really, like the guys have already been saying, you don't really invest in each other. Or maybe you can get too busy. You know, I, I get too busy sometimes and I constantly have to slow down my world and tell myself, no, look, relationships needs to be a value because God is relationship. Let me say that again. God is relationship. He's Father, He's Son, and He's Holy Spirit. So if we look at the New Testament, we see like 59 one another's. What do I mean by that? We all know this one, love one another. But we also have stop passing judgment on one another. Instruct one another. Carry one another's burdens. I mean, how easy is it to be patient if there's nobody around you who's on your nerves? I mean, I would be like patient like all the time, right? But it's in community, in relationship that my sins, my flaws, the things that, transfor- that I can be transformed in are exposed. So community is essential for transformation. Community is not optional. Community is essential for transformation. And the thing is, I grew up in, a, in this rich community culture in Papua New Guinea, but I was not part of that community. I was a missionary kid. And as a missionary kid, you have the opposite problem because you leave, people leave, um, and actually you don't really learn to root yourself. And so for a long time, I had no idea what community was like. Even though I observed it from a distance, it hadn't become internal until I went to C3 College. And I, for the first time, realized this is what community is. It's learning to open up in relationships, to root yourself in others around you. It's learning to allow others to challenge you and to challenge other people. And that's where transformation happens. And that's where, it's like if I look back over those years, that's where huge transformation happened in my world. And so my question to you today is, what do you value? Because why did that one talk system work? It worked because they placed value on it. And because they placed value on it, it became a way of life. So what are we placing value on? Do you place value on groups? Do you place value on the relationships around you? Do you make going to a group a way of life? Do you make non-purpose phone calls a way of life? Whoever does those. I think if there's one thing I want you to take with you today is that you value relationships. That we value those people that confront us and that we confront others that we allow others to carry our burdens. And if we value relationships, then it becomes a way of life for us. Because God gave us each other. So let's value each other. That's it. I've got one. Brilliant. Thank you so much. You know, what, what's coming through so clearly, and, and, and let me say you all have such a unique voice. You know, it's not beautiful. Everyone's got a unique voice, but what's coming through so powerfully is, is the power of community, that we're not an island. We're not meant to do life alone out there somewhere, that we are connected, interconnected to one another. And 
if you know these people, you know there's a story behind a story. <laughs> there's always a story behind a story. And the story, I know the stories behind each one of these four so far, and I know that it has been community that has transformed them. And so, you know, as, as Judith said, you know, who, who is sharpening you? Who, who is shaping you? You know, are you allowing yourself to be shaped by other people in this place? Because that is how we get transformed. Jesus transforms us so much when we rub up against other people. So it's a great moment to think, well, you know, I'm not in a group. How can I get into a group so I can get connected and feel far more part of this family? Because you, you are. You're, and if you're not, you're welcome to be. Um, so I'm going to introduce Latais. He is an incredible young man with a, another, there's a story behind a story behind a story with this man. Um, but uh, we're privileged to hear just a little bit of it. So let's give him a hand as he comes up. Thank you. So uh, thank you, Pastor Lispy. Um, so as mentioned before, my name is Latais, and uh, today I would li like to share my testimony with you. Um, I'm from a family where they have been following the Hinduism for generations, and we are quite proud to follow the Hinduism, and since we are also from a re relatively higher caste, uh, we had a lot of benefits uh, in daily life and also religious-wise. And my mom, I brought my, uh, a picture of my mom. She's, she's a really strict follower of the Hinduism, um, she never missed any religious activities. And, uh, you know, uh, once in a while we used to have uh, Christian ministers visiting our house to uh, talk about, to tell us about Christ. And, uh, and my mom was really, uh, she never accepted those people. She was quite negative about them. And she was quite skeptic about everything she, they told us. And once she even told them to leave the house uh, after um, she insulted them many times. When I was, I think when I was seven or eight, I was just at a random day, I was just watching TV and where they showed the life of Jesus Christ. And, um, um, you know, uh, at that moment, I was quite interested, so I just kept watching, and at that moment, my mom was in the uh, kitchen. She was cooking. Uh, when they showed the passion of Jesus, something in me told me to call my mom, so I just, I just called her to come and to see what I was watching, but I did not specify what I was watching. Um, after, of course, after a couple of times I was calling, calling her, she finally came, quite annoyed. And when she found out what I was watching, she got even more annoyed. Uh, and she just wanted to return back to the kitchen. Uh, so I asked her kindly to stay and uh, keep watching. And, um, and she, she stayed and she kept watching. And I don't know what happened after that, but after like 10 or 15 minutes, my, my mom uh, started to cry. And uh, when I saw that, I was quite upset because as a child, you, never, you would never like to see your mom cry. And I asked her why she was crying, and, and, and she told me that she had no idea why she was crying, but she felt like crying. And I found my mom at a vulnerable moment, and she, her heart was quite soft. And she had a lot of questions, and she asked me questions like, uh, is Jesus God, and, and why he was suffering so much? Yeah, of course, as a, as a child, I couldn't answer those questions. <laughs> so then she asked me to go back to the kitchen and turn off the stove so she, she could continue uh, watching the movie. Uh, see, that movie on that day changed our life upside down. Uh, after that, my mom became a Christian, and she started to go to a church. Uh, and this led to a huge issue in our family. Um, you know, as being a Hinduism family, uh, someone become a Christian. It's a big issue. Uh, so my mom's siblings, they um, started to ignore my mom, and to try, uh, they tried to push her away from the family. And like, after a while, we, we had to flee to the Netherlands, and... Over here, we had more chance, my mom had more chance to practice a new belief more profoundly. And at the age of 11, I made my own decision to follow Christ. 
Um, <clears throat> sadly, almost uh, three years ago, my mom passed away. But she left us with the most important thing in life, uh, the eternal life. Uh, she taught us how to be firm in faith and how to, how to be always dependent on the Lord. Um, after we accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior, uh, we, have seen we have seen our life transform in a way we could never imagine. We have seen the goodness of the Lord through our life and through our journey. And knowing the truth has set us free from all things in the past. As it is written in John 8.32, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Uh, I can declare today that we are set free from all things in the past. Uh, and now we are free indeed. Thank you. Wow. I, you really get a sense when Ates is speaking that God's, he's just reestablished you in the most amazing way. And uh, we're so glad you're with us <laughs> and you're part of our family. So um, thank you. So I'm going to just wrap this up before we, we also move on to baptisms. But I want to encourage you that, you know, as you listen to these stories, and I'm going to use Remy's, uh, go back to Remy's illustration of a tree. If you are a tree, if you and I are a tree, which we're not, but if we imagine that we are, just as he said, that the roots of our life are the very thing that create the fruit of our tree. And if you want to change the fruit of your tree, if you want to change where you're going, if you want to change your behavior, if you want to change aspects of your life in your inner world, if you want to change the meaning and purpose of your life, there's only one way to do it. It's not by trying to change the branches of your tree. It's by changing what your roots go into and deep down into. Because it's that that draws up the nutrients of your life. It's that from which you feed from. And, and, and we believe here that when, when Jesus comes into your life, what you do is that you change what your, what your root system is going into. Where your root system may have gone into your past into pain, into shame and guilt and worthlessness and not knowing where you're going and lack of meaning and unforgiveness and being abandoned and all the things that can happen to us. When we choose to put our roots of our life into God in the, in the form of Jesus, in the person of Jesus, he reshapes you from the bottom up. He recreates who you are. He gives you a new life. He reestablishes you. He takes what was fear and he replaces it with love deep down in your roots. He replaces what was shame with, with forgiveness. He replaces what was painful with a sense of joy, no matter how hard that pain might have been. He replaces a sense of, I don't know where I'm going in life. What am I actually doing with my life? Does it have any meaning? He replaces that with a powerful sense of, you know why you're here. You have a meaningful, you have a meaningful life that God's got for you. It's powerful. When I got saved, it was the first thing I experienced at the age of 15 was, God, I don't understand everything. I, I, I was 15. I didn't understand everything about God. But what I knew was when I asked Jesus into my life, suddenly I had a meaning. I had a reason for living that was beyond my little world's. And little did I know, it was connected with a whole bunch of other people. Not even in this country, but beyond. God has got meaning for your life. So I want to encourage you just in these last few moments, and it's one of the most important things that we do, and it's everything that these uh, beautiful five people have been preaching about, to lead us to a place of surrender to Jesus. Well, we're here to say, God, I can't do this on my own. 
That's not a weak thing to say. It's a very strong thing to say. Because as somebody said in the last service, Jesus is worthy of living in your life. He is worthy not just of our praise, but he's worthy. He deserves to come and live into our life because he's God. And Jesus says, there is no other way to God except through me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. So right now, I just love us to close our eyes just for a moment. And I want to encourage you that if you don't know Jesus, just as you're sitting there in that place surrounded by the presence of God and in this stillness, if you don't know Jesus, if you've been a long way from him, if you've lost your way, if there's a hunger in you that says, I need to change the roots of my life because they're not right, let me tell you, you don't need to know everything, but you have to start with saying, Jesus, I reach out to you because you are the answer and I want to accept you into my life for you to show me how to live a different way. And in a moment, we're going to pray together a prayer where you can accept Jesus into your life. Well, thank you for listening today. I want to take a few more moments of your time because it may be today you realize that you need to get your relationship right with Jesus Christ. Maybe you've never asked him into your life before. Or maybe for some reason you've been, you've been moving away from him. And today I want to invite you to come back to him. Or it may be that you're just not sure you're going to heaven. And so I want to lead you in a prayer right now, and I would really love for you to say this prayer with me. And then, straight after this prayer, I would love you to do something for me. But hey, let's pray right now. Dear God, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that he died for me. I ask that you would forgive me. I turn away from my past, and I give you my life. Come and live in me. I thank you that today I am saved. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you prayed that prayer, today the Holy Spirit has done something in your life. And so I want you to tell us about it. I want you to email info at c3amsterdam.nl and let us know you've made this decision and let us have your address because I'd love to send you a book that will help you make this decision really strong and become a follower of Jesus. And we'll also be able to help you get planted in a church near you. God bless you.